This is Ozarks at Large for Thursday, February 23rd, 2023. I'm Kyle Kellums, and this is 91.3 KUAF, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Later this hour, Leo Ribe takes us to the sunny side of the street for a new edition of Sound Perimeter. This weekend, the documentary You Have No Idea will be screened for free in the Thaden School Performing Arts Building in Bentonville. The movie, presented in collaboration with the Arkansas Cinema Society, is about a mother's advocacy for her son, Evan, after a diagnosis of autism in the 1990s. Yesterday, I talked with filmmakers Alexander Jeffrey and Paul Peterson, as well as Paula George, the executive director of the organization Autism Involves Me, NWA. The conversation took place by Zoom. Alexander Jeffrey says the documentary actually developed from something smaller. Paul and I... Um were asked by Paul Burns, who is uh, Evan's stepfather and, and Beth's husband, to create a birthday video for her um, in, in which we interviewed her friends and family. And it was, a, it was a way to thank her and show that people saw the work that she had done with Evan. Um, and in the making of that film, that birthday film, I think the three of us, uh, Paul Burns, Paul Peterson and myself, realized that this story was much bigger than um, 30 minutes of, of Beth's friends telling the story that we needed to get Beth on camera and that this this could be a feature-length film. Um, you know, I, I grew up uh, knowing Evan and Beth and knowing Evan's father, Dennis James, and watching him on the stage at the Art Center. So I've known these people for a long time. And, uh, you know, like the title suggests, I had no idea, and a lot of people in the community had no idea of how deep this story really ran. Yeah, let's talk about that title because the the trailer starts with that very phrase. What are the idea? What are the the parts of the idea that we don't know? That's a great question. You want to take this one? Um, yeah, I think at least something I didn't know because before we started producing this, I didn't really know the family at all, which I thought was kind of a good. Uh, thing for Alex and me like he knew the family I didn't so it was just kind of coming in with fresh eyes and I think the thing for me is just how proactive Beth was in finding answers um, regarding uh, autism in the 90s um, because there was very little access to information on it and it seemed as if it was just this generic term to um, describe someone or what's the word I'm looking for diagnosed label yeah and just everything that she went through to not just find answers in general for autism, but to find solutions for her own personal life for Evan and um, integrating him into the community and seeing just how strong the community in El Dorado was and, and Paul Burns' family and, and so many other people in socializing Evan. Otherwise, you know, that wouldn't have happened unless Beth was so proactive with that. And to just kind of piggyback on that a little bit. I I think, you know, Evan's uh, brothers and sisters say this in the movie, but you really don't have an idea of how how enriching it is to have an Evan in your life uh, and to have Evan as a friend. I mean, he's just the coolest guy. He really is. And uh, I know that both Paul and I feel lucky to know him. Paul George, let me bring you into this conversation. You have seen the film? I have. Yes, sir. What are your impressions? 
Um, actually, I told Alexander um, and Cody after I talked to them, after watching the film, I was in tears by the end of it, to be honest. Um, as a mom of a teenager on the spectrum, I was able to relate on so many levels um, with the film. Um, the You Have No Ideas flooded in whenever I saw the title, which I understand now after watching the film, that's not necessarily where the title came from. The title actually came from a snippet of a, a movie that Evan had playing, you know, in his mind, The Lion King, which is awesome to me because that, again, ties into my son because he loves movies as well and mimics movies. That's actually what he's doing right now in the other room. <laughs> but um, I just I resonated on so many levels with the film um, from having a step-parent perspective, my husband stepping in as a step-parent to my son, um, having that perspective. Um, the fact that my son got a diagnosis at almost four, so in the early 2000s, um, and there wasn't very many resources around our area at that time even, you know, so, so I kind of went through the same things that Beth did, and we relied a lot on um, friends. We didn't have very many family members in the area um, at the time, so we relied a lot on friends and finding a support group, you know, to help with coping with figuring out, you know, the ins and outs of autism and how to even raise a child on the spectrum and, you know, what communities to join and how to still be an active member of the community, just like Beth was trying to do, you know. What was it like, Paul Alexander, making this film? And as with any documentary, you, you want to get it accurate, but there's also this sense of responsibility. I'm kind of curious the conversations you had as it was coming together. <laughs> oh gosh um well the making of the documentary took probably over the course of like 18 months to two years to make uh the beginning of it was primarily shot during covid and i remember like the first thing we shot we just wanted to see if this was even possible to get live footage of evan with beth and paul and see if this was a viable course and then after that we kind of just decided it was like yeah this this is go time so i think out of the course of that kind of just Alex was very adamant about trying to capture very candid moments, real moments, uh, the good, the the bad, the stressful. Um, and I think for us, a lot of the discovery, of course, came in post-production when we were starting to actually craft it together. And I think when it comes down to it, we just really wanted to tell the story accurately according to this village's, this community's perspective on that story. So we didn't want to disrespect anybody, put anybody in bad light. And really there wasn't anybody to put in bad light. Um, it was just a, it was a story of us telling about, you know, their journey as a family. And I think the big, the, the a fun hurdle at the beginning, <laughs> all right, she'll give me grief for this if she ever hears this, but you know, Beth at first was like, all right, the mother of Emma was like, all right, let's give this a shot because we are legitimately delving into their lives and showing it to the world, like very personal aspects. And um, I'll say it's one of the most rewarding things to sit next to Beth during screenings and just seeing how much of a cheerleader she is for the movie now. Yeah. And I'm not saying she was mean about it, you know, but I'm just saying she was like, ah, uh, right, well, it wouldn't have worked if she wasn't on board. Yeah, for sure. And like getting her on board was a thing. And, and, you know, I think, I mean, to this day, like I just talk about how, brave and vulnerable it was of her to to do this because right. you know like paula said it touches other people to see this film and to see themselves reflected in this film so i i think um i mean kudos to her for you know letting us let's share letting us share this story with uh, as many people as we can get eyes on it paula have you noticed a change in how 
there are um, access to help or understanding among community neighbors since your son's first diagnosis in the early 2000s and now in 2023? Yes, I would say so. Um, There are more resources, I feel like, in our area now. I feel like um, with it being a growing diagnosis that um, more resources have started to flood in, Um, just people being more understanding. Um, They don't look at it necessarily as so many people look at um, our kids as, oh, they're just being a bad kid. You know, that's what I've been guilty of that before, before I had a child on the spectrum. You know, I think everybody has. But now I believe more people have a widespread understanding, you know, of that and special needs, you know, as an umbrella, I feel like. And um, I just feel like I see a sense of community in so many places. And that's a lot of what AIM is about is bringing together a community and raising awareness about autism and special needs and how to treat individuals that are on the spectrum and have them to be a part of a growing community. Yeah, and I want to open this up to all, all three of you. It's wonderful to hear Paula say she sees this film and she can relate and it's and it's something that can comfort her. But it's also important for those of us who perhaps don't have a sibling or a child or a parent on the spectrum to also see this film, right? I mean, it's for all of us to see. Yeah, I think, I mean, you're absolutely right. And I think there's something to take away for everybody in the film. Like, you know, for such a um, weighty topic, there's a lot of humor in the film. And it's really fun to see those reactions when we sit in theater. Like, the, the once the laughs start coming in, you realize, okay, it's like, this is a just very human story. It's it's about autism, yes, and it's about Evan and Beth's journey, yes, but it's just about perseverance and humanity and, and uh, you know, community, ultimately, yeah. Yeah, I think um, be- before we started filming this, um, I believe Evan was actually the first person with autism that I had true interaction with, aside from just, you know, random passerbys or whatever. And for me, I just, it's just, I, I feel like the takeaway from this movie is, yeah, this is kind of a, a microscopic view of this family's day to day. But just as there are people on a spectrum, this is a story on that same spectrum that is individual to the family. But I think many people could take little things and say, okay, I, I can empathize with that or understand it. And so for me personally, there was a stigma of autism uh, you know, where it's even in movies, it was just really shown in, in a bad light, mm-hmm. you know, raunchy comedies and this and that. And I think now there's just more of an understanding, even for me personally, as I approach people in the future. Alexander Jeffrey and Paul Peterson are the creative forces behind the documentary, You Have No Idea. We also heard from Paula George, executive director of the group Autism Involves Me, NWA. The film will be presented for free by the Arkansas Cinema Society Saturday evening at the Thaden School Performing Arts Building in Bentonville. Doors at 6, movie to begin at 6.30. And while there is no charge to attend the screening, you are asked to register in advance at the Arkansas Cinema Society website, ArkansasCinemaSociety.org. There will be a question and answer session following the film, and you can find out more about Autism Involves Me at aimnwa.org.
KUAF.org. KUAF's concert series, The Lunch Hour, will be taking place on Saturday, February 25th during the 5th annual Black-Owned Northwest Arkansas Business Expo at the Fayetteville Town Center from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. We will be celebrating Black History Month alongside more than 60 Black-owned businesses in the region while enjoying food from local Black-owned food vendors and music from artist and filmmaker Mike Day. For more information on the event, visit KUAF.com and look for the lunch hour. Ahead today, Amos Cochran, who was in our last lunch hour, will talk about getting ready for a special concert at the King Opera House with the Fort Smith Symphony String Quartet. It takes place this weekend. This is kind of a neat little, all right, here we are. Like all the pieces feel like they're in place to, to give something new a try. And uh, it'll be fun. And it'll be over pretty quickly because that's how these always happen. You work so hard and all of a sudden I'm at the end of the last song and it's like, all right, see you, bye. Amos Cochran discusses writing and performing music and the art of collaboration later this hour. The Walmart Amp hosts three-time Grammy-nominated The Avett Brothers, returning to Rogers Saturday, June 17th. Seth and Scott Avett perform their earnest brand of songwriting that blends Americana, roots, rock, folk, country, and pop. Joined by band members Joe Quan on cello and Bob Crawford on bass. Tickets on sale this Friday at amptickets.com. This is Ozarks at Large. Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders' massive education reform bill had its first public hearing in a five and a half hour committee meeting yesterday. Members of the Senate Education Committee ultimately voted in favor of Senate Bill 294. Several members of the public shared concerns, including the expansion of school choice programs and doing away with the Teacher Fair Dismissal Act. Chad Hall, a graduate education student, said teacher pay raises included in the bill won't go far toward addressing some of the systemic problems in the state's public education system. $50,000 means nothing to me if you are not using this opportunity to appropriately meet the needs of students and meet the needs of the teachers who are teaching those students. And this bail fails to do that, and, and it continues to just leave everything to local school districts who already don't have the resources. I know school districts who do not have textbooks for their English classes. Others questioned how the state would be able to afford stipulations in the bill in light of the governor's goal to entirely phase out the state's income tax. Republican Senator Breanne Davis, the bill's primary sponsor, said funding would be an ongoing conversation among policymakers. I think as we move through education reform, criminal justice reform, and tax cuts, um, we'll be making those decisions as we go. And that's up to all of us as a legislative body to ensure that um, we um, can pay for what we're doing. Davis also accused members of the media and school officials of misrepresenting the bill's intended purpose. A fiscal impact study says programs included the bill could cost roughly $300 million in the first year, with about half of that coming from existing funding sources. Time now for today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal report. I'm Paul Gatling. From hunting and fishing to mountain biking, hiking, boating, and camping, Arkansas has no shortage of outdoor recreation opportunities. They also boost the state's prospects for job creation and economic growth. On the program today, we're going to hear from Katherine Andrews, who is entering her second full year as the Office of Outdoor Recreation Director in the state's Tourism Department. Plus, Walmart's quarterly earnings report was released this week, and it included a warning about the health of the American consumer. And a Canadian food ingredients company is opening its first U.S. office in Rogers. Those stories and more are after the break on today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal report. 
Support for the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report is provided by the Arkansas State Chamber of Commerce and Associated Industries of Arkansas. The Chamber's mission is to promote a pro-business, free enterprise agenda and prevent legislation, regulation, and rules that hinder business. ArkansasStateChamber.com Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield For more than 70 years, Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield has used its knowledge and compassion to create healthcare solutions for individuals and businesses. More information at ArkansasBlueCross.com First Security is proud to be only in Arkansas. They offer smart solutions for personal and business banking, plus convenient services and community investment. First Security, member FDIC, equal housing lender. According to the most recent data published this past November by the U.S. Bureau of Economic Analysis, Arkansas's outdoor recreation economy grew 23% from 2020 to 2021. That is the largest recorded measure for the state since the BEA started calculating the size of the outdoor recreation economy in 2012. Katherine Andrews says capitalizing on the growth trend is essential to ensure Arkansas continues to be a tourism destination for outdoor recreation and a core driver for economic growth. Andrews is entering her second full year as the Office of Outdoor Recreation Director in the state's Tourism Department. We spoke recently for a progress report on her work and what the priorities are moving forward. So the office was created by executive order in June of 2021. I started in November, so we are um, a year and a couple months in. 16th formal office of outdoor rec in the country, which is a huge testament to the leadership in our state who recognize how important outdoor recreation is both to our overall economy and just to the general well-being of our Kansans um, all across the state. So we are very fortunate to have so many people um, at a high level of state government and outside of state government in the private sector as well. Um, who are so focused on growing outdoor recreation in Arkansas. Um, <clears throat> the main priorities of the office, you know, there's no, well, actually yesterday we just, um, there, there was published a guidebook for the offices, but when I started there was no guidebook, no, no rule book, no pamphlet on how to start an office of outdoor rec. Right. So we really had to sit down and kind of start from scratch. Um, so we built with the advisory board, built strategic plan, mission statement, goals, um, really built that structure and formation of the office in year one. Uh, and so the mission of the office is that we leverage the state's natural assets to grow the outdoor recreation economy. Um, right. And there are two main partners that we serve by doing that. And the first one is our industry partners. So bike shops, boat manufacturers, duck lodges, river guides, outfitters, any kind of outdoor recreation company you can think of, <clears throat> we help connect them to resources to grow and help address their barriers to growth. And then the other partner is our communities. So cities and counties all across the state 
helping them understand the importance of outdoor recreation and how that connects to economic development, public health and wellness, um, tourism, and then helping connect them to resources to grow that part of their local economy. So maybe that's a grant for a trail or um, master trail planning, uh, anything that can help them grow outdoor recreation in their local community, we help connect them to do that. Right. So there's really two main priorities of the goal of the of the office. Um, connection and collaboration is the first, and promotion and awareness is the second. So I'm glad you mentioned that about the uh, the executive order that just kind of created the office. Uh, of course, that was under Governor Asa Hutchinson. We now have a new governor, Governor Sarah Sanders. Right. And if there was any idea about uh, how enthusiastic she was about outdoor recreation and tourism, well, that was that was put to, to rest uh, pretty quickly with her announcement right. of uh, her husband, the first gentleman, Brian Sanders, uh, is going to lead this new council on uh, promoting outdoor recreation and tourism. How does that fit in with what you're doing, and how excited are you about that that extra uh, platform of, of promoting your work? Yeah, I am super excited about it. It is going to be an incredible resource for us. Um, one of, honestly, I think it might be the only <clears throat> of its kind in the U.S. There are other states who have shared service agreements or shared landowner um, partnerships, but this is really innovative. Uh, so it's going to bring together state agency folks, so Department of Commerce, the Office of Outdoor Rec, the Department of Parks, Heritage, and Tourism, um, the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission, as well as private sector and um, uh, nonprofit agencies together to really talk about at a very high level what are some things that we can get done across agencies together to really move outdoor recreation forward in Arkansas. Um, so it's going to elevate what we are doing here at the Office of Outdoor Rec to a much higher level. And that is Katherine Andrews, who leads the state's Office of Outdoor Recreation. Andrews is on the cover of our next magazine that's due out next week, and you can find that on newsstands and online starting Monday at nwabusinessjournal.com. On Tuesday morning, Walmart posted full fiscal year net income of $11.68 billion, down over 14% compared with the previous fiscal year, but revenue and earnings per share beat expectations. The company says it is cautious about earnings projections in its next fiscal year, reflecting the unknowns in the economy and consumer spending. Pacific Ridge Corporation, a vertically integrated Canadian company focusing on regenerative farming using sonic milling and seed cleaning technology, is establishing a U.S. office in northwest Arkansas. The company will lease space in a new office building that's being built on Northgate Road in Rogers Pinnacle Hills area. Work there should be completed by this fall. And Haas Hall Academy is planning to open its first high school campus in Fort Smith. Classes are set to begin this August with 350 students in grades 7 through 11. In the second year, the school could reach enrollment of 500 students in grades 7 through 12. Founded in 2004, Haas Hall has locations in Bentonville, Fayetteville, Rogers, and Springdale, 
and is approved for combined enrollment of 2,000 students. For all of those stories and more, visit us online at nwabusinessjournal.com, where you can follow our reporting each and every day. I'm Paul Gatling, and that's the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Until next time, thanks for listening. This is Ozarks at Large. It is the last Thursday of February. Timothy Dennis, spring just around the corner. It feels like it's already here based on the previous weather of this week. I, I agree. You can feel it in the air, which means and I don't know if we're going to we probably won't be talking about this for a couple of weeks, but outdoor music season. Yeah, I think it's coming up. It's not here yet, but it is in the near future. But we can still talk about live music today. Yes. Let's talk about other music that's in the even nearer future. OK. Tomorrow night, George's Majestic Lounge Happy Hour Show is going to feature the band's Full House and the Bel Airs. Bel Airs. Two I mean, long running local regional yeah, bands. Yeah. Cover for that is $8. That gets underway at 5.30 tomorrow night. Again, that's at George's in Fayetteville. The late show at George's tomorrow night is going to feature a set from the Grateful Talking Deadheads. Which so, is exactly what you think it is. Exactly. Cover for that show is $15. That gets underway at 9 o'clock tomorrow night, also at George's in Fayetteville. Happening across the street at the Smoke and Barrel in Fayetteville, they're going to have a show featuring Justin Larkin and Wesley Allen and the Modern August. Trying to make a smile Telling her all my secrets Now I'm running for my life Lord, I pray that my feet Don't fail me now I was running through the valley And the shadow of my Cover for that show is $10. That gets underway at 9 o'clock tomorrow night again at Smoke and Barrel in Fayetteville. And over in Eureka Springs tomorrow night, the Gravel Bar is going to feature the duo of Samantha Hunt and Patty Steele. I think they're billing themselves as the Honeys. Uh-huh. That gets underway at 7 o'clock tomorrow night, again at the Gravel Bar in Eureka Springs. Okay, moving ahead to Saturday night. George's Majestic Lounge in Fayetteville is going to welcome back Larkin Poe. We heard from them on yesterday's show. Abs- well, at least the, the two and, sisters yeah. who are the core of the band. Yeah. Opening that show will be Zach Person. Tickets are $25 in advance. They go up to $30 at the door. That gets underway at 8.30 Saturday evening, again at George's Majestic Lounge in Fayetteville. Happening over in West Fayetteville Saturday evening, 612 Coffee House is going to have Circle of Thirds back in the house. That show gets underway at 8 o'clock Saturday night. Again, that's at 612 Coffee House on Weddington Drive in Fayetteville. Up in Bentonville Saturday night, Bike Rack Brewing Company is going to have a hip-hop show featuring the Arkansas talent, Sean Fresh. Uh-huh. Never been a follower, always been a leader. I'm about to take doubters and turn them to believers. Niggas hating from the sideline, they watching from the bleachers. I'ma do my own thing, I ain't begging for no features. My flow is off the meter like a triple-digit heater. You don't know how to do it, sit back and let me teach you. When it comes to killing tracks, I'm known as the reaper. Niggas Cover for that show is Tim at the door. That'll get underway at 7 o'clock Saturday night. Again, that's at Bike Rack Brewing Company in Bentonville. 
Also in Bentonville Saturday night, Meteor Guitar Gallery is going to have a couple of celebrated blues performers on their stage. Alex Lopez, he has two number one albums, or has had two number one albums on the blues and rock charts and a top 10 single on Billboard. And then Crystal Shawanda, she's a Nashville artist who has won multiple Juno awards. Yeah, yeah. For that show is $10 in advance, goes up to $15 on Saturday. That show gets underway at 8 o'clock Saturday evening at the Meteor in Bentonville. Over in Eureka Springs Saturday night, the Gravel Bar is going to have Red Oak Roos in the house. Great local jam grass band. That show gets underway at 7 o'clock Saturday night, again at the Gravel Bar in Eureka Springs. Okay, jumping ahead to Sunday, George's Majestic Lounge in Fayetteville is going to have a benefit concert for O.C. Fisher. Sweet cherry, coming for to Diva's on Fire, part mm-hmm. of this. Uh, uh, St. James Gospel Tribute. Yes. Cover is $10. That gets underway at 2 o'clock Sunday afternoon, again, at George's in Fayetteville. And I think you could pay more than 10 yeah, if you wanted it's, to. It's, the whole event is intended to celebrate and support OC, who's had some health issues right. in the last few months. Moving on, and we'll hear more about this next one on tomorrow's Ozarks at Large. Uh-huh. But Sunday night, uh, Ozark Folkways is having their first Squirrel Jam of the year. It's an open music jam. If you want to come and play, bring your instrument. If you want to just listen, you can show up for that as well. And for people who haven't lived here a long time, it's called Squirrel Jam because... The Winslow mascot, when there was a Winslow Public School, was the squirrel. Perfect mascot. That gets underway at 5 o'clock Sunday evening. Again, that's at Ozark Folkways in Winslow. Monday night, George's Majestic Lounge in Fayetteville is going to have the indie rockers from Tennessee Colony House in the house. Yeah. Cover for that show is $23 in advance, goes up to $25 on Monday. That gets underway at 8 o'clock Monday evening again at George's in Fayetteville. Tuesday night, Smoke and Barrel in Fayetteville is going to have a metal show featuring the Indiana band Cadaverous. They're supported on that bill by the band Severe Head Wound and Pantheon. If you have a severe head wound, apparently you turn into a cadaver. I just, 
and I don't mean this to sound. I that's. I don't know. That it's title the genre. That it's the yeah. genre. Right. <laughs> what severe head wound? <laughs> Cover for that. Not fatal head wound. No, just severe. Right. Severe. Just some brain damage. Right. Cover for that show is $10. That gets underway at 9 o'clock Tuesday evening. Again, that's at Smoking Barrel in Fayetteville. And then finally, next Wednesday evening, Temple Live in Fort Smith is going to have the band Home Free in the house. They are a country acapella group from Minnesota, and they actually won season four of NBC's The Sing-Off back in 2013. So country acapella. So will they be singing songs that we're familiar with? Yeah, so... So, sure. So like uh, Man of Constant Sorrow. For example, I never expect to see you again. For I'm bound to ride that northern railroad. Perhaps I'll die upon this train. Perhaps he'll die. And they're from Minnesota. They're from Minnesota originally. Tickets start at $45. That gets underway at 8 o'clock next Wednesday at Temple Live in Fort Smith. If I was a musician, I'd be trying to escape Minnesota right now. Oh, I would Two be feet too. of snow. All right. No reason to escape here because we got, got you covered with live music. Thank you, Timothy. Thank you. Grab your coat and get your hat. Leave your worries on the doorstep. Just direct your feet to the sunny side of the street. Can you hear a bitter pad on that happy tune is your step? Life can be so sweet on the sunny side of the street. I used to walk in the shade with those blues on parade. But I'm not afraid. This rover crossed over. If I never had a cent, I'd be rich as Rockefeller. Gold dust at my feet on the sunny side of the street. and get your hat, leave your worries on the doorstep. Just direct your feet to the sunny side of the street. This is Leah Uribe, Associate Professor at the University of Arkansas Music Department, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Perimeter. We opened Sound Perimeter today with American pop and jazz singer and trombone soloist Aubrey Logan. Aubrey Logan, originally from Bellevue, Washington, graduated from the Berklee School of Music in 2010. She's a singer, a trombone player, a songwriter, and the winner of multiple awards at the Montreux Jazz Festival. Logan has collaborated with the Alabama Shakes, Megan Trainor, Pharrell Williams, Josh Groban, and Gloria Stephan, among many others, and appeared on Jimmy Kimmel's and the Grammys Award Show. On the Sunny Side of the Street is a song composed in 1930 by Jimmy McHugh with lyrics by Dorothy Fields. In this song, Logan shines optimism and flexibility. This song is featured in her latest album, Standard.
if I never had a cent, I'd be rich as Rockefeller. Gold dust at my feet on the sunny. That was trombonist, singer, and songwriter Aubrey Logan and the 1930s song On the Sunny Side of the Street. Logan will be visiting the University of Arkansas this weekend, performing a concert at the Faulkner Performing Arts Center on February 24th at 7.30 p.m. and appearing as a guest artist for the Department of Music Trombone Day on February 25th an event that is geared for anyone who loves the trombone, but primarily high school students, college students, and adults who wish to learn more about the instrument. See the link in the show notes for tickets and more information. Before we go, let us listen to Aubrey Logan again in a rendition of George Gershwin's song from 1924, Fascinating Rhythm, featuring her energetic trombone performance and scat singing, a technique in which the singer improvises melodies and rhythms using the voice as an instrument. Got a little rhythm, a rhythm, a rhythm That pitter-pats in my brain It's so darn persistent The day isn't distant That it'll drive me insane in the morning without any warning and hangs around me all day i'll have to sneak up to it one day and speak up to it i hope it listens when i say a fascinating rhythm you got me on the go fascinating rhythm i'm all a quiver what a mess you're making the neighbors wanna know why i'm always shaking just like a flither each morning i get up with the sun start a hop and never stop it's a find at night no work has been done i know that once it didn't matter and now you're doing wrong when you start to patter i'm so unhappy
Aubrey Logan, Not to Miss, performing at 7.30 p.m. on Friday, February 24th at the Faulkner Performing Arts Center at the University of Arkansas, and joining my colleague, Dr. Corey Mixturf, for Trombone Day on February 25th. Check out our notes for more information. I truly hope to see you there. This is Leah Uribe, Associate Professor at the University of Arkansas Music Department, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Pinimeter, a show written and hosted by me and produced by Timothy Dennis, KUAF 91.3 in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Sound Pinimeter is a segment dedicated to diverse voices in and around music. I hope it will expand your knowledge and connection to inclusive sounds and let music infiltrate your lives and transform your realities. See you soon. Why I'm always shaking just like a flea Each morning I get up with the sun Start a hop, never stop So fight at night, nobody's gonna lick a work around here They might as well be sleeping What a mess you're making And now you're doing wrong Where you cook your bacon I'm so unhappy Somewhere far away and make it snappy. Oh, how I long to be the girl I used to be. Oh, fascinating rhythm, stop picking on me. Fascinating rhythm, stop picking on me. Fascinating rhythm, why won't you stop picking on me? Saturday night, Amos Cochran and the Fort Smith Symphony String Quartet will perform a concert of music composed by Amos. The concert at the King Opera House in Van Buren is at 7 Saturday night. This week, we invited Amos Cochran to come to the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio to give us a preview. I began our conversation by asking about the venue, the King Opera House. You've performed inside there. No, 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 I haven't performed. I have been there for a lot of my life. I used to run sound there some. I used to run lights there some for different plays. My daughter's performed on the stage a million times. Actually, all of my children have performed on that stage at one point. So I've spent a lot of time there. 
enough to actually have gotten past that point of going, oh my gosh, this place is amazing. You know, you walk into a space for the first time and you're like, this is wild. I've, I've been walking in that space for 10 years. So I'm less in awe by it, but I'm realizing so many people are going to be able to come this weekend and check it out for the first time. And that's, that's exciting. Tell me about the, the musicians that are going to be on stage. Right. So it's um, the principal players from the string section of the symphony. Uh, first violin is Irjin Kong. Second violin is Patrick Conlon. Viola is Jesse Collette. And cello is Rob Bradshaw. Um, and they truly are this all-star group of musicians. I saw them perform the last Perspective series that um, happened in Fort Smith. They performed. I think it was the knee, it was the best performance of music I've ever seen. They're just, they're truly amazing musicians. And they're also like individually, I know them in different capacities and I'm friends with them and have recorded with them. So though we don't get a lot of rehearsal time, they still feel like very good friends. We've been on this text thread all week joking about things and deciding what color shoes to wear. Um, And it's been a lot of fun. So I'm really, though... It is always interesting having those short rehearsals. I trusted this group probably more than anybody I've ever trusted. Um, and also, too, this is teaching me how to be a better composer because I've learned if I put it, the nuance on the paper as best I can and explain musically what I want as best I can, they can play anything. So this has made me, this, this year working with the symphony has made me be a better just composer on paper. Because up until now, the players I work with, usually I put the notes and the rhythms on the page, and then we rehearse all night. And we, those nuances come out in conversation and they come out in rehearsal time. What I'm learning is I don't have that, I don't have that time to do that with these newer groups. So I have to be better. It's made me step up my game. Are the conversations or questions that from the musicians different in this process, like during the rehearsal? Um, You know, it's not so much their questions as me hearing them and giving them new thoughts. Because I like to talk about things in abstract a lot of the times. Like when we're looking at a set of notes, um, you know, I'm wanting it to build a certain way. And so I'll hear them play it and then I'll stop and say, okay, let's have it by this point. Let's have it be a little more grand here or let's start to get a little bit quieter here. Um, those were the older conversations when we'd have time to rehearse. But what I'm, what I'm learning is really the importance of putting that in the music. I know it. I th- well, no, I don't really know what you're talking about, but I kind of do because the one time I've ever done anything with classical musicians, it was a Christmas show for mm-hmm. Soda. And I went to the rehearsal, and I was a narrator of something. Okay. And the conductor, Paul Haas, once looked at me and said, I need 10% more mm-hmm. next time. And I nodded. And I thought <laughs> to myself, I have no idea what that Yeah, I mean, but I th- everybody behind right. me, all the musicians. They get it. Yeah. I think you get it, though. I mean, just a little bit more. Yeah. You know, if he just said 37% more, that might have been <laughs> a little strange. You know, I was playing... One time, uh, George is a long time ago when I was in bands. I actually got to play with Steve Kimmock. I don't know if you remember oh, yeah, Steve Kimmock. Yeah. So I, I had one night, I had, no, two, a whole weekend, the Mountain of Venus, the band that I was in, Kimmock came into town. It was like the, I was so, gosh, I was so excited. And we were rehearsing and I was just trying to not like fanboy out. Um, and really, it was an incredible musician. And he stopped everything and he turned to us and he said, could it be a little more green? Like, because he has synesthesia, so the colors matter to him. So, like, it's funny, like, Paul Haas says 10% more. Mm-hmm. Other people will say it needs to be a little more green or a little more blue. I've dealt with the directors, too, with the same thing. They throw colors at me. And you go, oh, cool, yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> what that just means is do it a little different and see how you respond to that. You don't have to know the answer, but just respond in a certain way. I've been thinking a lot about improvisation lately and 
actually reframing it as less improvisation because that's scary for classical players, not the group I'm playing with right. this week, and they totally get it. But younger players I'm working with now that when I say improvise, they kind of freeze up. And I'm starting to use the term more react to mm. instead of improvise. Because then when you react to, you, you, it's not right or wrong. You're just reacting to it. So it's the same kind of thing. You know, do 10% more. It's like just do it a little different and see how it comes out. <laughs> I've asked Penis this before, but um, like almost if you're a piccolo player, you carry the piccolo with oh, you. Yeah. If you're a violist, it's the viola goes with you. Right. I mean, you it's want the, your piano. I do. I want my piano. And it's rare. I've only played with this piano one time, actually, when I bought the piano. The first show I ever played in 2018, um, I purchased the piano from a church. I had it moved to the space that we were playing this show. So here's the money. Here's it's the money. Mine. Will you take it to right. this place? My piano tuner took it to the place, tuned it. I did a show in that space. We then moved it to my house. And... That's been there ever since. Um, I move it around my house a lot. I'll move it in the living room or in my room. It depends on what I'm working on. But yeah, it's I've yeah I've never taken this piano. Actually, I moved it out into my driveway to play on on Halloween this year. I dressed up as Michael Myers and played the Halloween theme for two hours in my driveway with the piano. Because again, it was like I wanted the real. I wanted people to see the real piano, and I had candy right. on top of the piano. Anyway, so that, <laughs> that's the only time it's left my house. So um, wait, I I want to get back to the piano. Total moving. sidebar story. <laughs> but, but, so as Michael Myers, you had the mask. On? Oh, I had I had the jumpsuit. I had okay. the mask, and I couldn't wear. It was funny though because I couldn't wear my glasses with the mask because it looked. Not even remotely scary, but I'm pretty blind. Like I'm really, I can't see anything. So all night there was just these phantom creatures like walking up to me. But it sort of worked because I was Michael Myers, so I could just kind of blankly stare at them. But I did. It was so fun. For like two straight hours, I just played the Halloween theme, the two, three themes from that movie, and just kind of slowly messed with them. And when people would get closer, I would bring in the low bass notes. It was so much fun. So that's the only time my piano has left my house. You know, I've always thought about composers do this thing that's solitary, and then it's not. But really. As the composer, you've worked, you might be working by yourself on some of this, but Urjean Kong has worked by herself to get to where she right. is. I mean, it's just sort of this culmination of everyone's well, I talents. Think it is. And I think, I mean, you've worked by yourself. Everybody, everybody, anybody that makes a thing, we have to spend time by ourselves. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like we do. There's part of our craft that you have to hone on your own. You just you do. Um, I mean, like all the film score music that I do, I, all that's written by myself. I'm, I've never have a director standing next to me. Very rarely does that happen. You know, I'm by myself. But then I send it off, and then I get their feedback, and we start having conversations. And then the team lights up. You know, the team light. It's like these little, these sets of lights. It's like which lights you know going right now. A lot of times it's just the one that's me by myself. But then all of a sudden there's one where there's me and a few people, and then everybody's there. And so, you know, it's just a different kind of energy when you're working on things. And I think like yeah, I'm Eugene. There's no telling how many hours she has spent right. by herself playing that violin and any good player there's all, and there's no no good player you've got to go away because i think you i think you really do you learn a lot when you're by yourself because you have nobody to say hey what about a what about b you have to make that decision um, so learn that decision for yourself then take it to the group and say hey a or b you know after what i've learned on my own so what else should we know what tickets are $10 <laughs> tickets are $10 um, they're on the symphony website um, my Instagram has a link to it. My website has a link to it. Um, you can get tickets at the door, I'm pretty sure. Um, and uh, doors are at 6.30. shows at 7. There will be a brief intermission. And afterwards, we're going to go next door to Arts on Main and have a little reception. 
from what I understand, which will be cool. Arts on Main is the new gallery that's opened in downtown Van Buren. Um, and they've actually they manage the opera house now. So I love seeing, you know, I've lived in Van Buren for a very long time and I've never actually played there. So this is kind of a neat little, all right, here we are. Like all the pieces feel like they're in place to, to give something new a try. And uh, it'll be fun. And it'll be over pretty quickly because that's how these always happen. You work so hard and all of a sudden I'm at the end of the last song and it's like, all right, see you, bye. Amos, thanks for your time. Absolutely, Kyle. Thanks for hanging out again. I appreciate it. Amos Cochran visited the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio this week. The concert with the Fort Smith Symphony String Quartet is at the King Opera House in downtown Van Buren Saturday night at 7. It's part of the Fort Smith Symphony's Perspective Series. More information at fortsmithsymphony.org. One in every five children in Arkansas has untreated tooth decay that can cause chronic pain and infections and issues with eating, speaking, and even learning. The Arkansas Department of Health reminds you that simple habits like toothbrushing, flossing, and visiting a dentist twice a year can support a lifetime of good health for our state's children. This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville. Fort Smith, Springdale, and Natural Falls State Park. Timothy Dennis produced today's show in the Harold and Blanchcock News Studio. Contributors today included Timothy Dennis, Leo Rive, and Paul Gatling. Additional material originated in the newsroom at KUAR in Little Rock. Additional help with today's program provided by Stephanie Brock. We will come back tomorrow with a Friday edition of Ozarks at Large. Tomorrow, Courtney Lanning back with a film review, Cocaine Bear. Anxious to hear what's involved in cocaine bear that's tomorrow at noon we'll plus uh, we'll have the week in review with michael tilly from talk business and politics and much more our theme is titled the first hurrah it is written and performed by daryl sean daryl's most recent cd is titled still here you can find it wherever you already find your music online you can also find us online at ozarksatlarge.com we're also available as a free podcast available wherever you're already getting your podcast from the carver center for public radio in downtown fayetteville i'm kyle kellums thanks so much for listening you can always help us out by going to support kuaf.com have a great rest of your thursday